this chance to speak to you. Um, assuming technology works, uh, we go through, we've got a, some things on the screen here. The subject, I really sought the Lord for a word for you and I believe it would do us good to consider this topic and try not to forget it by Tuesday, like I sometimes do, um, <clears throat> but dwell on it. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Now that verse comes from, if you can see that, the book of Ephesians. In the New Testament, chapter 6, verses 10 to 13. And I'm just going to read that with you. And I'm going to be focusing on this phrase, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. We're going to look at three questions just to make it clear where, where we're going, you know, because I can meander sometimes. Three questions. Question number one What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? Question number two, why are we commanded to be strong? And it is a command. It's not advice. It's a command. Be strong, River Church. Why is it so important? And question three, what must we avoid if we are to be strong? So rather than talk about lots of things you've got to go and do, I felt the Lord wanted me to say to you some things you need to steer clear of and avoid in order to remain strong in the Lord. So let's move on to the first question then. Um, I just want to tell you what the strength is not. <laughs> Being strong in the Lord is not physical strength. That picture, the top picture there, is a pastor who can pull 188-ton aircraft in America. He's completely mad. His name is Kevin Fast. He's a pastor of a church, and he's a strong man, and he, he goes around pulling large aircraft. That aircraft, yeah, 188 tons, and he, he pulled it for eight meters. He managed to get the thing moving, and it wasn't a trick, because it's in the Guinness Book of Records. But that isn't what it means to be strong. It's not physical strength. Neither is it... The second picture there of Einstein, who had an IQ that was slightly higher than most of ours. Intellectual strength. It is not intellectual strength. I'm sure you will agree. It means spiritual strength. What does that mean? Let's move on. <clears throat> what does it mean to be strong in the Lord? Well, I've got four points up there on the screen. The first point is this, to know where spiritual strength comes from. 
You see, a person who is strong in the Lord, they know that they cannot create strength by themselves. It comes from another. Basic, isn't it? Strength comes from Jesus Christ. And he empowers you to stand in a circumstance, to resist the devil, to resist sin, to speak out, to be bold. He empowers you. And the exact translation of the phrase, be strong, is actually written incorrectly in a lot of Bibles. The Greek, I don't know any Greek, but I just look it up, says, be made strong. And the, uh, the answer is, be made strong by him. He's got to do it to you. Another Bible version, the REB, says, find your strength from the Lord. It's simple, but... Or be strengthened by him. I wonder how many of us take that seriously. You know, sometimes I get exhausted when I've overdone it. And sometimes I find it hard to pray. But I know sometimes I just go into the bedroom at home and I just sit there and just open my heart to the Lord. I don't pray anything. And I just open up and just wait on him. And I find, I don't know if you find this, a strength comes in. And it says in Scripture, you know these verses, no doubt, Psalm 27, verse 14, it says, if I can find it, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Strength comes from him. Another verse says this, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Strength comes from the Lord. I had a friend, I haven't been in contact with him, so he's on Facebook. He was a deputy head of a school. And if any of you have ever been teachers, you'll know what an absolute <laughs> hard job it is. He would come home sometimes and just slump in the armchair and open his heart to God. And one day, as he sat in the lounge, the sunshine came through the window and just bathed him in sunshine. And he said it, it was like God's grace. It's just there for you. Like the sun. You can't make the sun shine on you. Do you avail yourself of this strength, is my question. <clears throat> I was told... There is a spider in Australia, which, no, okay, eats food, but another way it gets strength is it sunbathes on a rock. It just sits on a rock in Australia, and the sun does photosynthesis, I think it's called, like a plant. It gives it energy. And I encourage you, my friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord, just um, learn to just bask in the presence of God. Don't rush it. And you'll find energy and strength coming from him. That's one thing. The second point is this. <clears throat> a person who's strong in the Lord, they know, they know that they can't win any battle on their own. 
They are like a weak little kitten thrown into the Somme. How long would a kitten last at the Battle of the Somme? <laughs> well, it's quite small. I guess it could dodge a few bullets. But anyway, the point I'm trying to say is no one can defeat Satan except one person. No one ever defeated the devil in the Old Testament. Did you know that? No king resisted the devil. David fell. Solomon fell. Saul fell. Um, Azariah fell. Oh, I can't remember their names, but there's tons of them. I read about them. They, they, all of them. The devil beat them all. The devil is strong. I'm not trying to glorify him, but we have to realize the enemy is powerful. But there is one who is much greater and one who routed him every time, defeated him every time. He defeated him in the desert when he tempted him. He defeated him in the garden of Gethsemane. He defeated him when Peter said to Jesus, don't go to the cross. He said, get behind me, Satan. He defeated the devil on the cross. When they said, come down from the cross, that was the devil, come down. So, a person who's strong in the Lord absolutely recognizes they are completely helpless. So, what do they do? They hold on tight to Jesus. They cling to the Lord, they rely on the Lord, and they, they, they stay close to him. And the little picture I have, I had to bring it in. Chris Harding will love this. I had to have a picture of some spitfires. There's a picture there of three spitfires going into battle. And what they used to do in the war, they would go in in groups of three, and the the big one on the front is the section leader. And behind him would be two people with less experience. And as they went into the fray, with planes ducking and diving and weaving and planes on smoke and the confusion of battle, the section leader would often say, stick to me like glue. Stick to me. Do what I do. Follow me. And that's what the Lord is like. <laughs> He's like a section leader, spitfire, which you've got to stick to and rely upon and lean upon in all the things you face. Have you ever seen the film Fury? War film, probably not many of you. But in that film, there's a tank commander played by Brad Pitt. And he has an inexperienced man join his tank crew, who's the gunner. And he says to him, he says, if you do what I tell you, You'll get through this thing. You just do what I tell you. You'll get through this thing. You'll get through the war. So, strength for battle. Next point. People who are strong in the Lord, they keep expecting victory despite struggles, despite setbacks. Even when everything goes pear-shaped, they still trust the Lord is in charge. Um, it does it not say in the Bible, if God is for us, who can be against us? We sang it today, who can stop the Lord? <laughs> greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's greater. So what we've got to do is stay close, cling to the Lord, hold tight to the Lord. That's the secret of strength. And there is no force on earth that can beat God in a fight. It may not go the way you expect, but you will come out on top. 
because he's in you. I've got a friend in Bromley called Derek Hall. He's a pastor of a church, Jubilee Church in Bromley. And once upon a time, a few years ago, he completely fell into depression. He quit the ministry. He was depressed. He, 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 he lost heart. He despaired. And this might make you laugh, but something very wonderful happened to him. He was at home listening to the song from the film The Lion King where there's a song and it says, He lives in me. Do you know that song? He lives in you. And it talks about mountains will go before the faith that we have. But as that's, he listened to a children's song called Lion King, He lives in me. He said something happened in him. And he knew Jesus was speaking to him. I live in you. Now get up. <laughs> get up and fight. <laughs> you see... You can't lose. If you're on the Lord's side, you can't lose. So I encourage you, whatever you're going through, remember that. The last point is, if you're strong in the Lord, you will find yourself standing firm in what situations where other people would run a mile. Other people would r lie down like a dog on its back. Other people would quit, give up. But those who are strong in the Lord will stand firm. Um... I think of a man called John Bunyan. I've mentioned him here before. John Bunyan was a, a man in a long time ago, 400 years ago, who was sent to jail for preaching the gospel of the Son of God. And they said to him, as soon as you promise us to compromise, you know, you promise us that you will not preach the gospel of the Son of God anymore, we will release you and you can go back to your family. And they tormented him. They said, your family, you know, you've got a blind daughter who can't see. Your family live in poverty. They really, really need you. But if you give up preaching the gospel of the Son of God, you can go back to your blind daughter. And do you know what he said? He wasn't being stubborn. He said, I'd rather let the moss grow over my eyelids in this prison than give up preaching the gospel of the Son of God. And he stayed there for 12 years. I encourage you, you can stand firm. <laughs> People in the Bible stood firm. Moses stood firm when tempted with the treasures of Egypt. The friends of Daniel stood firm when tempted to bow down to a golden statue. They stood firm, ready to face a fiery furnace. I want to encourage you, you've got Christ in you. <laughs> Simple message. Avail yourself of this strength. I'm going to show you a quote now by a missionary. Her name was Amy Carmichael. She was a missionary to India, uh, late 1800s. She said this, there's a picture there of a tree bowing against the storm of wi the wind and the gusts of wind. And she said this, when the wind blows hard on a tree, the roots stretch and grow stronger. Let it be so with us. Let us not be weak, giving in to every wind that blows, but strong in spirit to resist. Sometimes God will not shield you from the pressure. Pressure is on, but you can stand firm and your roots can go stronger into him. Right, let's go to question two. 
Why are we commanded to be strong? We'll find our strength. You know, I mean, why? Well, it's in that passage I read, because we're in a war. We're in a warfare. It's very easy in sleepy Kent to think you're not in a war because no one's bombing you like in Syria. It's all quiet. Your neighbours are nice. You know, except for Tracy's who played loud music last night. <clears throat> um, but you are in a war. And it's, it's, I want to just explain to you something I felt the Lord told me to share. Is that the war the devil plays on us is, is a long, it's what I call the long game. It's a long, long strategy. It's not a battle and then that's it. It's a long war of attrition. It's designed to weaken you and wear you out. For those of you who study history, and I'm bringing in the war analogies again, you will know that Nazi Germany tried to invade Russia in World War II. And it was that war which led to their downfall, more than even perhaps the Americans coming in. Because in Russia, they just were, it's a war of wearing them down. Because they, got, they just got worn down, because Russia's so big, every Russian you would ask always believed, we will never lose against Hitler. We'll just keep retreating. He'll get tired. He'll get worn out. And they bled the German army dry. They bled them white through a war of just wearing them out. And the Lord gave me a verse to share with you. I maintain he did. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. It's on the screen. This is a passage talking about the empires that were rising up in the days of Daniel. But behind it we see Satan. And this is Satan's purpose. It says in verse 25, Daniel chapter 7, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. That's against God. And shall wear out the saints. That's in the King James Version. He shall wear out the saints. Someone is trying to wear us out. <laughs> he wants to just wear you out. So that on the battlefield, you become ineffective. Okay? We are in a war. We have three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is what's out there. It's a kind of an atmosphere. It's, a, it's a, an attitude. You know that phrase, worldly? It's worldly. There's, it's hard to define. I can't explain what it is, but it's out there. It's a, it's a spirit of worldliness. And it can affect the way you think. It can affect the things you mutter under your breath. It can affect the clothes you wear. It can affect the things you watch on TV, the people you befriend, the places you go. It's a spirit. And um, often it will come into your front room through the television. <laughs> I'm not against television, by the way. I'm not one of those. But I'm just saying too much of a good thing, or bad thing even, can bring the world into your uh, lounge. Uh, there was a Bible translator whose name was J.B. Phillips. He ordered a TV once. And the delivery man brought it to his house in a nice big cardboard box. And on the front of the cardboard box it said, well done, you're bringing the world into your front room. He read it and said, take it back! <laughs> 
told the delivery man, take it back. I don't want the world in my front room. <laughs> we have the world arrayed against us. We have our own flesh. Our own flesh. You know, our own desires, our own... Um, we have, in some senses, a civil war going on inside us. Because it says in the Bible... Um, just read it to you very quickly. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17... It says this, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So you've got your own desires and passions as well sometimes, which are fighting like a civil war in your heart. But you've also got the world and also you've got the devil. And I maintain that the biggest strategy he has is to wear you out. It's not to trip you up into a sin or make you do this or make a mistake. That could be part of it. His biggest strategy, I believe, is to just wear you down, like the Germans in Russia in World War II. Right, so that's why we need to get strength every day from Jesus. Now I'm going to come to my final point. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> First, I, well, it is kind of linked to my final point. I couldn't resist putting a picture up of an RAF commander in World War II. His name was Hugh Dowding. He was chief of fighter command, but he had great foresight into what, the, what they needed to do to win the war. And it was very different from every, what everyone else was saying. Everyone else had different ideas, but he had this one idea, and his idea was this, do not send any of our home defence, any spitfires, any hurricanes, do not send them over to France. Stop helping the French. <laughs> is Zena here? Where is she? Uh, anyway. He said, don't help the French. And then Churchill said, but we've promised the French. And he said, it doesn't matter, don't help the French. Don't send them our spitfires. And then they said, why? And he wrote a letter to Churchill. And this is what the letter said. It's just one paragraph. He said this, if... The home defence is drained away in desperate attempts to remedy the situation in France. Defeat in France will involve the final, complete and irremediable defeat of this country. Don't drain away your strength. And I want to look at just a few things that can drain away our strength. The first one, let's go to the next. Number three, what must we avoid if we are to be strong? And there's three letters there, W-A-R, war, W-A-R. Um, the first one is wasting our energy. Just wasting your energy. There's a verse there which says, about Israel, it says, the Israelites, they are enthusiastic for God. That's good. But, it is misdirected zeal, not based on knowledge. In other words, the Israelites had a desire, an enthusiasm, and we as Christians have an enthusiasm, or at least some of us, <laughs> to do things for God. 
but it can be misdirected. And this all happened to me. The reason I'm bringing this up is because Pete Cross, who's sitting over there, he walked up to me a few weeks ago and put his hand on my shoulder and he said words to this effect. He said, Simon, I'm, I'm concerned you're overdoing it. Now, being a good Christian man that I am, I graciously wanted to punch him on the nose. <laughs> That's how dare you think I'm overdoing it. But then I went to the Lord and realized that he's probably right. One of the greatest tricks, I believe, of the devil, and even our own pride, is we just overdo it. So let me just give you a few thoughts on that. Overdoing it, overstretching, overstraining, getting overtired, doing activities without really thinking about them because it seems a good idea. Do you know what happens if you overdo things? This is what happens. You get start getting some symptoms. And I've had them. <laughs> Symptom number one is the quality of what you do goes down. If you preach a lot, if, you preach, if I preached every Sunday, you're, you're glad you haven't got me every week. If I did every week, the quality would probably go down. Your spiritual tone of life suffers. You lose that vital something. That something, that, that, that touch on your ministry can be lost. And it's simply because of wasted energy. Not because of sin, particularly. You lose your passion for the Bible. You know, reading the Bible. Do you enjoy, here's a question. Do you enjoy reading your Bible? Do you enjoy it? If it's like, oh, I suppose I better read the Bible. It's usually probably a sign that you've... Um, You've lost the edge. <laughs> you don't enjoy prayer anymore. These things conspire to weaken us on the battlefield. And, I mean, I've been there. Let me just say this. There have been times, and I think this has happened to Pat, you're out every night away from your family. You're out every night, and your wife suffers. Or, and sometimes she's glad you're not there. But... Um, your family suffers, you're not around, you're out there every night doing ministry. Um, and the problem is you become so exhausted that you've got nothing left to give. You've got nothing left to give. Um, Christine Cross once spoke to me. Funny how it always comes from the Cross family. Mark, I'm waiting for you to do it next. Um, <clears throat> Christine Cross came to me once and said, Simon, I've had a picture about you. And I thought, oh dear. <laughs> she said, you're like a machine gun. <laughs> it's all war today. She said, you're spurting bullets everywhere. <laughs> you're, you know, you're a scattergun, a scattergun. You're firing bullets over there, firing bullets. That's great. She said, but maybe you should become more like a sniper rifle. <laughs> you know, she said that to me. She said, I had a picture of you becoming like a sniper, aiming on a few things and doing that well, rather than trying to do everything badly. This can trip us up, and particularly if you run a ministry or anything, um, because you want to be seen to be doing things. You, you want people to think you're strong. You want to be seen to be doing stuff, whereas most ministry is hidden. It's unseen. It's like the part of the iceberg that you can't see. So there's my first little challenge. Think about your life. 
Are you frittering it away in any way? Or are you like the sniper rifle? You, you know what you've got to do. You know it from God. It's not according to misguided zeal. And you get on with it. You know, people have to plan their life. You plan what you can do. You plan what you can't do. You don't care what people think of you. You be resolute. And you stick to what God is saying to you. Okay. There are two other quick ways you can waste your energy. And this please forgive me, occasionally applies to women more than men. I'm going to get shot for saying this. Talking too much. Now, I've just been to Holland with my mother-in-law. Karina's going to kill me. No, no, she, she has a right to talk a lot because she doesn't see Karina very often. But man, can she talk. She can talk for England, she can talk for Holland, Germany, Switzerland, France. She can talk for the lot. But I love my mother-in-law. She's a great woman of God. But sometimes you can waste energy just by sheer mind, not, not mindless, but sheer talk. Just talk, 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 talk. Whereas God sometimes wants you to meditate. Be quiet. Some people hate silence. TV must be on all the time. Or the radio must be on a lot. Just be silent. Another area where you can waste energy is arguing with people about theology. Now, I know not many of you are into that, or any of you even, but you know, some people, I've met people, all they talk about, and I'm not being offensive, all they talk about is Israel. Israel this, Israel that, Israel the other. Nothing wrong with Israel, I love Israel, don't get me wrong, but if, that's, if it's your hobby horse, and you have to bring it into every conversation, or some people, they talk about the second coming, and it's like, oh, not again. <laughs> And it says in scripture, a few little warnings on that, just quickly, how you can waste your energy. It says, I'm just going to read them to you very quickly. Don't give heed to fables, endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than being built up. Don't turn aside to idle talk. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And one more. Avoid foolish disputes, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. <laughs> it's okay to argue a point sometimes, but don't be tempted to get a theological hobby horse. Right, let's move on to the next thing. So wasting your energy, can you just please think about that? I know I've had to. Right, atmosphere, so W... Waste, A, W-A-R, war. The A is for atmosphere. Now, I've put a picture there of Daddy Pig from Peppa Pig. Has anyone ever watched that? You still watch it now? Yeah, great. Um, my children used to love the program Peppa Pig. And there's someone called Daddy Pig, and sometimes Karina calls me Daddy Pig because I look like him. <clears throat> but the fact is, in that particular clip, he's sitting on a, on a deck chair and he says, what a perfect day for doing nothing. Daddy Pig loves to do nothing. So I'm now going the opposite way. I've said about overdoing it, you can underdo it. You can live in an atmosphere of slackness, a slack atmosphere. Well, well, I'll sort of get out of bed and I'll check my Facebook, then I'll check the BBC News. Oh, the BBC News, oh, depressing as usual. 
Then I'll have breakfast, and then I'll talk to my wife, my kids, and reading the Bible? Well, I don't feel like it today. Maybe tomorrow. Is that you? It happens to me. You, you become lack of discipline. You just become, oh, I'm just going to, I fancy looking at Facebook for a bit. And the problem with that atmosphere, the slackness, it means you're basically wasting time. And these things can affect you. Um, another kind of atmosphere, oh, by the way, that verse, it says, redeeming and making the best use of the time. I don't mean you have to read your Bible all day, but just do you make time to get strength? Or do you live in an atmosphere of ah, laziness? Another atmosphere you can suffer from is that of worldliness. We talked about the world. If you watch too much TV, too much TV, you won't be able to pray. I found that. When my parents visit, by the way, I love my mum and dad, but when they visit, don't they, Karina? They put the TV on. It's on a lot. I have to leave the lounge because my brain feels like it's frying. It's so much EastEnders or casualty. And it just means afterwards, if I sit in that every evening, I can't, I can't pray. I feel dull. So, worldliness. Too much of something. Maybe your problem isn't TV. You have too much sport. Too much food. What do you love? Is there anything you love? You know, some people say, I love tennis. They watch tennis. I mean, it's in the summer. I love it. The problem is when you love something, that's where you might have problems. Because I know it says in the Bible, do not love the things of the world. Do not love them. You can like them, you can, but don't love them. If you love something, it can create problems. And the final little atmosphere, another little atmosphere that I've suffered from is the one on being nice to people. Just being nice. An atmosphere of respectability and being nice. I don't want to upset anyone. I'm just going to be nice. Well, sometimes God wants you to have a bit of fire in your guts. You know, a bit of like, I mean, I love it when Ruth sometimes corrects people. Sorry, Ruth. <laughs> you can, she, she loves people, but she, she's not afraid to speak the truth in a loving way. I'm embarrassing her now. But you see, if you're just nice to people, it's... <laughs> anyway, let's move on. <laughs> the final point, the R... This is my last point. And I just want, this is, these are all things that I've had to kind of learn. That's why I'm sharing them with you. Uh, receiving, the R is receiving rubbish into your mind. Just receiving it. I don't know if any of you suffer from negative thoughts. I know I do. And it's very easy to receive negative thoughts, depressing thoughts, and just assume they're coming from you. You know, oh, that's just me. I'm a pessimist. Whereas, often, the enemy is sowing. He is. And Christians don't realize the enemy is a sower. Just like Jesus is a sower, the enemy is a sower. He wants to sow doubts, depressing thoughts. I've got, I drew up a list of them. I'll just read them to you. <clears throat> if I can find my notes. I probably can't. Just read this little list of some of the thoughts the devil, I believe, would put in our heads. 
that we think is just us. You think, oh, that's just Simon. Well, no, here they are. Depression, worry, concerns, fear, fear of accidents, fear of what if, what if this, what if that, what if the other. Possible things that might happen but haven't actually happened. Doubts and unclean thoughts. These things can grip people and they, they, they become slaves to them. And I've done this. I mean, this is, I'm telling you this because I've learnt it. You've got to fight. Now, I remember one day I had some negative thoughts and Karina said to me, she's very good at speaking stinging truth. She said to me, um, where are those thoughts coming from? Do you remember this? I said, where are they coming from? Oh, me. I'm a, yeah. said, no, they're not cut. They're the devil. Go tell him to get lost. Turn on him. Tell him to get lost. <clears throat> All you do is you just receive it. You know, Marvin, I used to be called Marvin, the android. You know Marvin from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Do you know that program? No, don't worry. <laughs> he was a negative robot. And he would always say, oh, we're going to die. Oh, it's not going to work. And it, it's just, he it was just wired wrong. But Christians can allow the enemy to just sow stuff and they don't, they just receive it, they don't realise. The first step is just to realise that it's not necessarily all coming from you. Um, and I've got two more slides on this. Oh, the other one, um, oh, oh, there it is. No, one more slide, sorry. This is a, a man called Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a famous preacher, died in about 1981. He had a church in London, in Westminster Chapel. Great man of God. And I want to read a quote he wrote, which is where I got this from. This quote says this. All depressing thoughts, all depressing negative thoughts in the Christian come from the devil. All of them? That's what he said. All introspective, morbid self-concern probably comes from the devil too. It is his greatest concern to depress us. He cannot rob us of salvation, but he seeks to rob us of our joy. Many Christians are unhappy and depressed simply because they haven't realized these attacks on the mind are happening to them. These thoughts are not simply coming from you. I don't know what you think of that. But next time you get a negative thought, next time you think, you get a fear. What if? Or just ask yourself, hang on a minute, where did that come from? Then you can fight, you see. You go to the Lord and say, I'm not having that. I'm not having it. I reject it. Don't receive it, I reject it. Okay. Um, I had other things to say, but I think I'll leave it there. To summarize, what I felt the Lord wanted to say is we are in a fight. We are called to get our strength from the Lord to avail ourselves. We are called not to waste our energies. We are called not to live in atmospheres that make us weak. And we're called not to receive all the rubbish that Satan puts in our heads. Just simple thoughts for you to think about. 
I'm going to stop now and I'm going to pray. And I would like, um, if anything has spoken to you, fine if it hasn't, but if anything has spoken to you, I would like you to um, stand up in your seat. I'm not going to look at you. I'm just going to pray for everyone in the church because we all need this. But if anything has spoken to you, I want to uh, pray for you. Maybe you feel some of these things may affect you. And if you want more prayer, see Pat or me at the end. Okay? So let's pray. Yeah. <clears throat> Lord, I pray for anyone here. I pray for anyone here who suffers from negative thoughts. Things that come from the outside at them and attack them. Things which depress them. Things which drag them down. Negative things. I rebuke these things in the name and power of Jesus Christ. And I pray you'll help my brothers and sisters to recognize where this stuff comes from and to reject it. And I pray for those who may feel their energy is sapped. They're living in an atmosphere, a bit like living in Thailand where it's humid and they just haven't got energy, Lord. I pray for those people that you will show them how to get their energy back. That you'll show them what they need to do. For Lord, it is simply a matter of doing what you say. And help us all, Lord, to get our strength from you each day, for we certainly need it. In Jesus' name, amen.